Hello, everyone, and welcome to Journey to Success Radio, a show featuring people and companies who are making a positive contribution to the world. This show will help you learn how to apply success principles in every area of your life so that you can make the most out of your skills and talents and accomplish more of your goals. To find out more about the show, please visit www.journeytosuccessradio.com. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Journey to Success Radio Network. Uh, Our purpose on JTS Radio is to interview people who are making a difference in the world with transformational businesses, thoughts, and ideas, and actions that encourage and inspire. My name is Taylor Tagg. I am an educational consultant and strategic results coach. To find out more about my work, please visit me at taylortagg.com and read my books, The Path to Peaceful Heart and Adversity to Advantage. And now to today's success story. My guest today is Clark Finical. Now, Clark, he knows all about job hunting. And through his 30-year career, he successfully land, landed purposeful work in multiple job searches. And because of the pitfalls and mistakes he's made along the way, Clark has been on a personal mission to give job seekers what he never had. And that is a clear understanding of today's job hunting environment and exactly what it takes to land work in today's fast-paced world. And so, Clark, we're uh, very happy to have you on the program today on Journey to Success Radio. How are you? I'm wonderful, Taylor. I appreciate the opportunity. Well, we're, we're glad to have you. And, of course, we're going to get in today of all the, the, uh, the job hunting techniques and tips that you can offer our listeners who are looking for work or even a better job than they may have. I know today's environment is, is more robust now with opportunity. So we'll get into those questions a little bit later, but just uh, for our listeners, uh, tell us the concept of your work and the, and the focus of your practice and what you do. Well, sure. Uh, I would say that um, uh, what kind of, um, you know, if I can answer your question uh, this way, uh, in terms of the concept of my work, I would really say that there are two realities, what the job seekers told and what's, really going on and once you know the second part it's a lot easier to understand what you need to do to succeed you know for for the lack of a a better word uh, in a lot of ways hr hiring managers and recruiters really seek to direct job seekers through a maze that really benefits their interests and not necessarily the job seekers so uh, actually, that's kind of one of the, the first chapters I deal with in my book. It's called The, uh, the Twelve Lies Told to Job Seekers. So let's talk about uh, a little bit more about your system of success and how you help people maybe navigate through uh, the difficulties of that job uh, hunting uh, search. You know, sometimes in life, there are just wrongs that you want to right, things that you experience in life that you know, shouldn't be that way. Uh, Kind of like I just started to allude to, my five job search experiences from 89 through 2013 really showed that today's job-seeking environment really benefits those, really was created and the rules were created to benefit those who play in that world every day. And I'm talking uh, recruiters, HR managers, and hiring managers. And because of that, 
there are a lot of myths, misconceptions, and sometimes downright lies that really put the job seeker at a disadvantage. When I wrote Job Hunting Secrets from someone who's been there, the, the whole objective was to really seek to level that playing field because the bottom line, Taylor, is that job seekers deserve a better job search experience than, than what, I've, what I've gone through. Uh, what, I, um, what I found during my job search experience is because I'm the type of person who really seeks to understand as much as possible about any problem I have, like probably in unemployment, how do I get hired? In all of my research, I kind of found that all of the job hunting books and articles that had been written to date came from HR and recruitment veterans. And as knowledgeable as they are, and, and they are very knowledgeable, they don't understand what job seekers go through. You know, it's the old, unless you've walked in their, their, uh, their moccasins, as they say, you're not going to understand. Um, the difference that I bring, the difference about my book, Job Hunting Secrets from Someone Who's Been There, is it's the first book, first job hunting book written by an actual job seeker. Um, so to me, uh, that, that, gives, uh, that gives an understanding that other career experts don't have. They bring a lot of great insights, and I quote from many of them. They're approximately 90 footnotes in my book, but they don't have that. Uh, they don't have that um, that understanding. So, in my book, I go over the one of the first things I go over is the 12 12 lies that are told to job seekers. And I don't know if you'd like me to go into those specific lies now. I can do that if you'd like. Yeah, let's let's go over maybe the top three, Clark, because I think, you know, as, as people and obviously, you know, what you've been through as a job seeker, you, you know, the, the pains and the pitfalls and the lies. And of course, you know, as as consumers and job seekers, we want to be prepared, you know, for those things as we go out and seek those jobs. So maybe uh, let's cover the top three that you've, you've seen, experienced and your research has shown you that, uh, you know, we need to be aware of. You know, one of the first ones is job postings say don't apply for a job unless you have 80% of the requirements. And, you know, I have to tell you, I've experienced this myself, and I've learned very quickly that, you know, why you should not, you should not do that. Basically, it comes down to this. HR says this because... When the internet came around, they just started getting flooded with applications. And while it sounds logical that you should only apply for 80% of, only apply for those positions that have 80% of the job requirements, I've been in situations where I've looked at the job description and it was 15 lines that were one continuous sentence or the hiring manager told me I haven't had the time to flesh out the, the job description, so I just loaded a template. And you know, other other times similar to that. So that kind of shoots a lot of holes in that in that uh, particular uh, advice or that particular rule. I have applied to positions where I didn't have 80% of the job. 
job requirement. And one of those interviews that occurred back in 2013, I was not qualified for the role, or I should, here's what I should say, I did not get the job, but because of the exposure that I got, I was asked to come back and interview. And that's where I work now, and uh, I will be coming up on my five-year anniversary uh, later this year. So that's one of the key things. So that, one of the so other that shouldn't prevent us, 80 percent rule shouldn't prevent us from going ahead and, and, uh, and applying. Exactly, because sometimes job descriptions themselves are kind of nebulous. Sometimes they're not written well. Sometimes the uh, employer hasn't really fleshed out what that job is really going to be. Okay, and then a couple other top, top lies we should be aware of. Oh, sure. Uh, one of the things that you'll see on a lot of job postings is do not contact the hiring manager. And, you know, again, I understand why they say that. They don't want all these people bugging the hiring manager. Uh, at the same time, I have contacted the hiring manager. Uh, in one situation in a position that I interviewed for in 2010, uh, I contacted, I was able to determine who the, the hiring manager was called the business, entered her name into the automated dialer system, had a very short conversation with her, but because I expressed my interest in the role, I ended up having three interviews. Now, I didn't land the job, but I helped myself to stand out. And that is, to me, uh, you know, that was significant. Uh, I, again, did that more recently in 2013 when I applied for a role. Uh, I called the company, expressed my interest. I found out there was a pre-identified candidate. But in each of those situations, I got much-needed interview experience. Whenever you're in a uh, job hunt, the more you can interview, the better off it's going to be for you because that's how you become comfortable here. Absolutely. And then what's the, what's the, 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 third, the third lie that we need to be aware of as we're entering our job search? Well, before I jump to the third, I just wanted to add a kind of a postscript to the second one. I don't know if you've ever heard of something called the ATS or the Applicant Tracking System. Are, are you familiar with that, Taylor? I'm not, but uh, some of our listeners may be. The reason I mentioned that is, you know, I mentioned about how when the Internet came into being in the 90s, uh, HR started getting flooded by uh, application. So HR and a number of uh, software companies developed something called the applicant tracking system. And that sounds like uh, it could be an ideal tool to just pick out those applicants that are most suited for the job, but it, it hasn't worked out that way. Research has shown that 75 to 90% of all applicants are rejected by the, the ATS, as they call it for short. Uh, they've even uh, done some test studies. They've created uh, uh, a mock resume of a top qualified candidate, only to find that the ATS couldn't read the resume correctly. So instead of getting the 100% score they should have gotten, they ended up getting like a 41%. So... The ATS system really makes it difficult for job seekers. Uh, in fact, 
I had, uh, I can think of two examples. Uh, back in 2013, I applied for a position where uh, former co-worker is working now, and he advocated to me to the hiring manager. And as a result of that, I got an interview. And the morning of that interview, the ATS system sent me the automated rejection, telling me I wasn't qualified for this role. But when the interview happened that afternoon, it didn't matter. It was never discussed. Uh, it, um, I was actually in the running for that position for a couple months. So, you know, a lot of people think that the, um, you know, the left hand of a, an employer knows what the right hand is doing. Obviously, in this case, that's not the case. Yes. And so the, the, automated, the automated system might not be in, is, is, as much in communication as the hiring manager as we think sometimes. Exactly. Exactly. Because HR is basically managing that. And I can even give you one other example. Laura Spiegel wrote a, a post in LinkedIn where she uh, shared how she had been rejected by two different companies. She um, actually applied, I think, for like a, a senior level, potentially even executive level HR position, uh, a global HR position. And the ATS system almost uh, I believe rejected her almost like within hours after she applied. But because she had networked with uh, folks who knew the, uh, the hiring managers, she was uh, called by the hiring managers to interview within the next day. So, uh, you know, the ATS system is probably the single biggest obstacle that job seekers face today. And that's why in today's world, we almost have to really kind of work around it by networking with folks, by seeking referrals. Uh, you know, it's, I would call it the single biggest challenge that every job seeker faces in today's job seeking environment. So kind of, kind of understanding these uh, barriers or obstacles we have to overcome within HR system when we're applying for jobs. I know obviously there is a, a method to the madness, so to speak, a system of success. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, how you help job seekers, you know, put together a, a plan of action to move forward, you know, especially, you know, your, your book, Job Hunting Secrets from somebody who's been there, you know, obviously talks about that as well. Certainly. Um, and I appreciate that. You know, I almost view the, um, the nature of helping job seekers is coming down to one uh, specific chapter that I view as probably the very core, the very, um, the very basis for seeking, uh, you know, job, seeking a job. And that's what I call the hiring manager secrets. Now, there are a lot of things we have to do to get into an interview, but once you get into an interview, there are three questions that the hiring manager thinks about to begin. These are the first things on her mind as soon as she starts interviewing with you. One, can you do the job? Two, will you like the job enough to stay there so that you we don't have to be interviewing in another six months. Three, you can't underestimate the importance of this. Can we stand to work with you? Know, are you a nice person that uh, isn't going to impact the department or anything like that? And that's the most 
critical things uh, in an interview that a job seeker needs to think about to to think about. So obviously, in their resume and what I call achievement stories and so forth, they need to be able to speak to how they're up for the job requirements. They know how to do this. Uh, they need to communicate that this is the type of position, this is the type of work that I really enjoy doing, and I've heard great things about this company, uh, and this is somewhere where I'd like to be here long term. And probably most importantly, uh, you really need to show that, hey, if you're an easygoing guy or girl and uh, you you know, you're fun to work with. You're, you're basically a nice person that people would like to see every day. So those are the first three questions that I call, uh, I call it basically secret number one, the first three questions that determine if you are a job candidate. Secret number two, once you pass those three questions and you become a job candidate in the hiring manager's mind, Secret number two deals with the four ways you differentiate yourself from all other candidates. Here's how that works. The hiring manager wants to know, have you made money for your employers? Have you saved money for your employers? Have you increased the productivity of past employers? How have you made a difference at your employers? And obviously, all job seekers come from different experiences. They could have 28, you know, they could have been in the job market since 1989, like myself, or they could just be entering the job market. But the bottom line is a hiring manager needs to know how, how you are different from the other job candidates. She needs to be able to answer the question when her boss says, why did you hire this person? Say, I hired this person because they proved to me they could do the job in a way that no other candidate could do it. So not everybody may have had an opportunity to make money or save money or even increase the productivity of the employers, but there are different ways that you differentiate yourself. Sometimes it's just by establishing yourself as a quick learner. Sometimes it's by showing yourself as a leader. Uh, sometimes it's also, just by being a very personable person uh, at, you know, that is going to uh, get along well with, with the hiring manager and with the staff. I would really say that the third secret really kind of follows from one and two, and that is basically that everything that you do, uh, you should be doing in your job search, uh, should be basically geared toward making the hiring manager feel totally comfortable about asking you to join her team. And so that means uh, writing achievement stories that demonstrate, uh, you know, accomplishments, uh, you know, how you've overcome obstacles and so forth. And that uh, I have a significant portion of my book dedicated just to that uh, because that's how you differentiate yourself. The last time I was in the market, uh, in 2013, I had 17 different achievement stories. Of course, I've been in the job market longer than others. But um, I know that hiring managers are in a difficult position. 
You know, it's really difficult to know what you're getting into, uh, what type of person you're 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 getting. Are they? How can you tell in that 30 minutes? And I think one of the unfortunate things is our society kind of uh, teaches people that they're not supposed to um, talk about their achievements. They're not supposed to brag and so forth. And you know, I, I understand that entirely. Uh, what I do is. I realized that because the hiring manager's career could be impacted by the quality of her hiring decision, that I need to make it easier on her by stating what I've done in the past because hiring managers look at your, your track record. If you've done things in the past, it had been, you know, you've overcome obstacles, you've had achievements, they're going to be a lot more interested in hiring. There's someone who they know is going to do whatever they ask them to do, they're going to want to talk to you and talk to you a lot more. Yeah, that's perfect. And I, and, I, and I think you alluded to the fact that the hiring manager, you want to be able to get in that person's mind. They've got a lot going on. This is probably one of the last things their, their, maybe, uh, their objective is besides their work is to hire somebody new. So you want to make it as easy as you can on them by you know, showing your uh, achievements and your accomplishments and, and quantifying, I guess, your skills and abilities so that you may be that correct fit in their mind. Let me ask you about uh, how we go about doing this from a job seeker's perspective because uh, you know, this can be overwhelming to a lot of people, you know, especially if they sure. have applied for a variety of positions and have gotten shot down multiple times. So I know that there's a mindset that, you know, you need to have, and you talk about this in your book about having a certain kind of mindset as you're going through this process. And I wonder if you could spend a few minutes on that. Well, thank you, Taylor. Uh, and I've gotten, uh, I've been very fortunate and very blessed because I have, have gotten a lot of positive feedback about that chapter uh, and, um, about the mindset because, um, you know, you might remember the quote from Joan of Arc where she basically says, uh, all battles are first won or lost in the mind. And, you know, I've seen how other people have reacted to, um, losing their job. Uh, for example, I had uh, a coworker of mine who, um, basically um, was laid off or his job was eliminated about the same time mine was. And within six months, uh, I was hired back by the same employer in another department. And he reached out to me and said, um, are there any jobs there? And then the same breath, he said, oh, they don't want any of the employees they laid off. And you know, I replied back to him that that wasn't my experience, nor was it the experience of a mutual friend, but uh, he really took it personally. And, um, you know, I, I've got to share with you, if you don't mind, Taylor, this, this post that I'm actually bringing out tomorrow um, that kind of speaks to this. Uh, sure. That, um, uh, let me just get it right here. written a series about job seekers overcoming um, obstacles and uh, you know I talk about how um, you know I talk about that individual 
and um, basically I kind of share about why I don't care about other people's opinion and I share my experience that I had at one company so uh, here it goes it's uh, just a short one but 1989 hired by Bob's number one 1990 boss number two wanted to fire me his bosses overruled him 1991 boss number three promotes me 1992 boss four told me I could be fired 1994 boss number five promotes me 1995 division put up for sale 1995 boss seven promotes me 2002 position eliminated 2002 boss number 10 hires me 2010 position eliminated 2011 boss 13 hires me 2012 took package so the point that i'm kind of making with that story is everybody has a different opinion some people aren't going to appreciate you and some people are and that's just the nature of the world uh, so um i think that's you know it's I think every job seeker has to get accustomed to rejection. As job seekers, as you've alluded to, you want to be able to get into the mind of the hiring person to make it easier on them and then obviously be able to navigate our way through the job search with a positive frame of reference and positive mindset, even though we, you know, we could face several obstacles on that journey. And so uh, if you would, Clark, you know, share a little bit about, you know, what, what, what kind of, what are the, the the main components and tips that, that I really need to know if if I'm a job seeker out in the market and I am just trying to get this all together now and and move forward with some kind of plan of action what are the first things that I may need to start focusing on you know to make that a, a positive experience and something that's very fruitful for me sure I, I think one of the key things in addition to what I've already shared is kind of understanding um, what's really going on in the job market. Yeah. Uh, you know, the average job seeker is kind of like bright-eyed and bushy-tailed. Most, most job seekers probably haven't been in the job market in the past, or if they were, they, they, uh, it was short term. So they're really kind of, um, for lack of a better word, vulnerable. Um, so what I've tried to do uh, in my book is to try to explain um, some of the things that the people they meet are going to tell them like and they're like these are like in the 12 lies section but you know job seekers will meet with recruiters uh and this is like not hr recruiters but external recruiters and the first thing the external recruiter would say is your salary expectations are way too high and the reason they're doing that is because it's a lot easier for them to make their commission by filling more low salary positions because there are more of them. And when they have someone who's very talented that they're putting in a low salary position, uh, it's just going to be easier for them to, for them to um, get their commission. And that's when you kind of need to say goodbye to those recruiters and find someone who is really going to value you for who you are. Um, you know, someone who isn't going to tell you uh, the salaries you've been making in the past uh, are unrealistic. Um, the, um, there's a lot of code word or language, things that are said that for a 
desired reaction. For example, let's say you interview with the company, and afterwards uh, they tell you you're a top candidate, and there's a reason they tell you that. Um, one, you, you may very well be a top candidate, but the bottom line is they know that all job seekers are checking out multiple opportunities. And they want you, the job seeker, to stop looking. They want you to only focus on their job so that when they finally get around to making a decision, and you never know how long that's going to be, True. you'll still be there. So, and because because they don't know who is going to accept their job offer and who isn't, they could end up doing telling three people that they're top, you know, that they're a top candidate. And so that's really um, a difficult situation. Uh, one of the other things that hiring managers will say that's kind of related to that is they'll say, uh, we'll make a decision by the end of the month. Uh, you know, that's kind of similar, but then, than telling you you're a top candidate, but it's kind of like telling, oh, making you think, oh, great. Uh, I just have to, uh, you know, you're coming through closure. Uh, maybe I can just start to toast now and not look anymore because I felt I did well in this interview. And the bottom line is every hiring manager has so many different priorities. Um, even if they really meant to come to closure by the end of the month, there's no guarantee. I, I've even... I even knew someone who attended Sunday school class with, who told me he interviewed with a prominent company um, and they kept telling him they're going to come to closure, come to closure. And after seven months passed, he finally had to tell them that seven months, uh, either make a decision now or I'm moving on. And, you know, it's, it's difficult. I've seen my own supervisors lose people because they didn't move quick enough. And so, the job seekers just have to be continuing to look out for themselves because the employer isn't looking out for them. Um, you know, some of the other things that uh, I will see that I find very challenging uh, are um, they will say recruiters and hiring managers will say things like, you're overqualified. And I, you know, I think everybody hates hearing that. And basically, it's kind of like um, almost being told that your suit doesn't make you look fat. I mean, it sounds uh, complimentary, but in reality, it's not telling you anything. Uh, I've had people on LinkedIn reach out to me uh, and tell me that that's what they were told, only to, um, you know, after I examined their message and their, their writing, I had to tell them that their written English really was getting in their way you know, is preventing them from getting the jobs that they'd like. So uh, being told you're overqualified is almost like a catch-all for, uh, in other words, um, I mean, it could mean many things, but sometimes what it frequently means is there's something else we don't like about you, but we don't feel comfortable telling. Right. Uh, I had a friend who um, was very capable, very tall, very deep voice. He was he was told he was overqualified, and I believe the hiring manager was probably intimidated by him. Um, there are other times when um, people may have made more money in the past, and they're, for whatever reason, they're applying for a lower position, and 
or they they have more skills and the job uh, is, um, you know, requiring. But because of that, because the hiring manager doesn't think they're going to stay, uh, they'll say they're overqualified. So that's where the the applicant, the candidate, really needs to uh, explain to them why they're interested in that position, you know, even though it is not as demanding as past roles. You know, I've had people on LinkedIn reach out to me. A lot of people do because I've written about 100 posts. And someone, I think, had a, a master's degree, I believe, in supply chain. And he ended up getting a warehouse manager position. And he said, was that the right thing for it? And he told me he just had it for his family, you know. And uh, I said, and told him, family comes first. You have to do these things. You really didn't have a lot of choice in the matter. This is kind of leading us to uh, another important part of this job seeking journey. You know, I've always told the, the people that I've taught, you know, in classroom settings about job searching, they're, they're really, they're, they're, they're two bridges to the job. And that's number one, your resume and number two, the interview. And I think, you know, for most people, they've got a, eh, maybe a good handle on their resume, but the interview process itself can be somewhat intimidating for a lot of people. So, do you, have, do you have any tips for us about the interview process itself, things we need to be aware of and cognizant of as we go and try to put our best foot forward to land that job? Well, Taylor, can I mention something real quick about the resume before jumping into uh, the oh, yeah. interview part? Yeah, sure. Go right ahead. Um, you know, a lot of people um, often view resume as almost like an obligatory thing that uh, – they just have to put one together really quick. And there are certain things that uh, people need to keep in mind. Uh, one of the first things I would probably tell anyone who is creating a resume or in the job market today is when we have software, software determining what candidates get selected and what don't, who don't get selected, uh, there is a website called... Uh, Job scan, J O B S D A N. Uh, it wasn't up when I was in the job market uh, 2013, or I wasn't aware of it. But basically, it is an excellent system. Uh, I believe even the first five uses of it are free. Well, what Job Scan does is it compares the words in your resume to the words in the job description. And because of that, what it does is it helps you identify the words that are missing from your resume that once you find a way to put them in your resume in a way that seems logical and flows naturally, it's basically going to increase your likelihood of getting selected by the applicant tracking system. Uh, so that is critical. Um, one, other, one or two other things I've just quickly mentioned about the resume. Uh, in my book, I talk about the importance of the font that you choose. Uh, they've actually studied this. Uh, Bloomberg had an article about this. Uh, and they said that the Helvetica is viewed as the classiest font. And if you use a Times, Times New Roman font, you're kind of viewed as not having uh, even thought about your use of the font. And they always say, make sure you have a lot of white space so your resume is easy to read. Here's what I would say about interviews. Um, the first thing I would say is interview as much as possible. Uh, 
I think any time you haven't interviewed for a while, and, and I've, I've, I've been there, you're going to be a little nervous the first time around because you're understanding, you're thinking, oh, so much is riding on this. Uh, but the more you can just interview, even when there are pre-identified candidates or because uh, I've had interviews only to find out about a pre-identified candidate or other cases where I didn't get the role, but there's so much to be said for just having as much experience as possible. And once you have that experience, you're going into the building where you meet, talking with the receptionist. Because I, I remember when I went to the interview for my current role, because I have a paying job in addition to writing this book. But I um, remember talking with the receptionist. She was going to New York City and uh, recommending places for her to go to. But just by communicating, uh, conversing, I, rel- I just kind of became more relaxed, so it was so much easier to talk to uh, people. Uh, I, I go uh, in-depth about achievement stories in my book about basically showing, you know, how you uh, – basically achievement stories are discussing situation, obstacles, actions taken, results. Those are how you distinguish yourself, how you differentiate yourself from all other candidates. Um, one of the other things that I did that uh, I could not recommend enough is a portfolio. Uh, that is basically a fancy name for a binder uh, with uh, examples of my work, uh, recommendations, uh, and so forth. And, um, working for the employer that I did, I uh, learned the importance of getting LinkedIn recommendations. So I had... Uh, I think uh, about nine different recommendations I'd had from prior supervisors in my portfolio, along with examples of my work, yeah. uh, awards that I'd won, and so forth. No, I was I was agreeing with you that uh, yeah, the portfolio is probably really important, and and real life examples of people who've worked with you and can vouch for you probably go a long way with the hiring manager. Two two other questions come to mind that really are critical uh, in an interview. Um, and near the tail end, it's hard to know when the tail end of the interview is going to be, but when you believe you're getting near the end of the interview, it's critical that you ask the hiring manager this question. Do you have any concerns about my ability to do this job? Because you need to face that. That's the most important thing at that moment. Because if they do, you can address that. That gives you an opportunity to address those concerns, speak about experiences you have, strengths. Uh, you know, maybe even if they have concerns, mention people that uh, they could speak to from your, you know, past supervisors uh, who could uh, assuage their concern. But um, so that's that's critical. The, the other question that comes to my mind that I think is critical is um, understanding or, or asking this question kind of like more midway into the interview where you say, at the end of 90 days, what will I, what, what uh, is an ideal uh, work performance for uh, this candidate or myself if I'm in this position for 90 days? what would be your expectations of what this candidate should 
opportunity to state the achievements that they would be looking for, and you have an opportunity to then compare those achievements to your own past experience to show how you're capable of that. Yeah, I think uh, you alluded to an important component, and that, and that is to be able to show your hiring manager kind of uh, paint a mental image or picture of you in that job doing a, doing a, a performing well. I think that uh, for me, that, that always helps when I can paint a picture for that person, of me doing a good job. So last question, Clark, uh, you know, as we kind of wrap this up and interview up, tell me about, you know, uh, the, the heart of, you know, your work with helping job seekers, uh, get positions and what makes up the heart of your practice? Why are you doing this? Why are you doing what you're doing with, with other guys? Well, I, I appreciate you asking me that Taylor, because, um, you know, if you were to watch the news uh, on an average day, you would kind of get the idea that the most important thing in life is the uh, latest tweet or what the Kardashians are wearing. And um, for me, the most important thing in life is the individual difference you could make in people's lives. I know because of the gifts that I've been blessed with, then I've been able to help people keep their home, uh, to be able to send their kids to college, uh, to, um, to basically just, you know, continue to support themselves and sometimes keep people from being homeless. Uh, because I've reached out spoken to individuals and help them understand exactly what's going on. Um, like, for example, I had a friend who was in my Sunday school class who um, he basically, his employer was just forcing him to go travel so much that he wasn't spending any time at home. So he ended up quitting. Um, and fortunately, his wife worked so they could do that temporarily. But uh, I sat down with him, and I made some, you know, I reviewed his LinkedIn profile, made some recommendations about things he should change. And the very next week, he started getting calls for groups. And uh, so, you know, to me, that's what motivates me, making an individual difference in people's lives and helping them. And I want to share just one quick story um, a while back, um, I saw this video, um, I think it was um, a prominent career expert was sharing about how the problems HR has with some of their hire, some hiring managers that weren't treating HR managers very respectfully. And I could tell um, this career expert was very upset about this. She was really look, you know, obviously looking out for her fellow uh, HR uh, friends. And when I saw that, the first thought that came to my mind was, who's looking out for the job seeker? This person is going on and on, rightfully so, but looking out for HR managers and so forth. But I really don't see many people look out for the job seekers. And um, by that, I mean someone who really understands what they've gone through, um, what they're going through, and I kind of view myself as that person. That's why the company that I created called the Job Seekers Advocate, because in many ways I will always feel like I'm a job seeker because I've been there in the past. So I feel like 
all job seekers are my fellow job seekers. So, well, that's wonderful. And again, you know, your book, Job Hunting Secrets, for someone who's been there, is uh, a great book. I've, I've read it, and it's got wonderful information. It helps you formulate a game plan of action to be able to, you know, move through this madness, so to speak, with some grace and dignity. So I appreciate that, Clark. And again, how can how can people get in contact with you? I'm on LinkedIn, and I would encourage people to reach out to me. I have 21,000 connections, so I can still accept another 9,000 or so. <laughs> uh, there, you know, I always, um, you know, reach out to a lot of people. A lot of my connections. Somebody just shot me a question today that uh, I helped them with. So, um, uh, you know, I definitely would be. Uh, eager to connect with them and help in any way I can. Well, we appreciate you joining us today and we thank you for your, your wisdom and advice and, and for anyone that's you know, in the job searching realm and in today's environment is, you know, uh, definitely looking up in that regard. You know, be sure to check out Clark's material and his, and his book and uh, connect with them on LeakIn. So we thank you, Clark, for joining us today. And you are listening to Journey to Success Radio. To find out more about the network, please visit us at journeytosuccessradio.com. We'll see you soon for our next amazing success story. Bye for now. Thank you for listening to this episode of Journey to Success Radio. If you or anyone you know would like to be interviewed for the show, email tom at tomtutall.com for details.